0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore net You know, I really didn't want today to be like this. I wanted yesterday to be get it all off your chest and then move forward. But as I've spent, usually what happens is I'm I'm really angry and then I spend a day and I realize, all right, I overreacted. Um... I'm going to overreact a little more today. It's not going to be the whole show. Um, You know, I want to go over the PFF stuff and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. But there are certain things that when I hear myself say them or think them in my head, I'm like, dude, this this is prime overreaction stuff. This would be like classic... I, if this was another team doing it, I would grab the clips and we play it on laughing at the enemy and say, these idiots are overreact. One loss and they're doing this. It's all, tear it all down. Da, 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 da. I know how it sounds. And I'll put all the caveats right out front. It's one loss. These things happen. Other teams lose that that shouldn't lose. They can clearly turn this around. They can still be one of the top teams in football. Da, da, all the way down the line. I get all that. And if we go on to win and be successful, it's going to largely because of, of, of Aaron Rodgers. But I just want to say some things that seem evidently clear at this point. Did you know, first of all, I, I mentioned last year and it went completely under the radar. Last year, the Dallas Cowboys were arguably the best team in football. They got beat in the playoffs and, and that was whatever, but offensively, defensively, point differential. They were a powerhouse football team. And I'll be honest, part of me was kind of upset because it's like freaking Mike McCarthy is over here. The team sucks. He's 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 completely washed up every year. We hear about, oh, we're going to do something completely different. We're changing everything. We're starting from the ground up and he doesn't know what he's doing. He goes over to Dallas and, and now he's turning them into a powerhouse or whatever. And they're doing it again this year with a guy by the name of Cooper Rush. But do you know how they're doing it? Do you know how they're succeeding? They're winning by running the football. I really want you to, s- to think about that for a minute. Mike McCarthy, who we all criticized for years for refusing to run Aaron Jones, for refusing to put that guy on a pedestal and let him be what he is, and we ran him out of town. Good riddance. The guy's a bum. He's an idiot. The the offense is so one-dimensional. It's the same thing every single time. We refuse to run the ball. When when the chips are down, what do we do? We drop back and pass. We throw these 20-yard passes. It'll be third and one on our own 40, and we'll launch a 20-yard pass down the sideline. Mike McCarthy's an idiot. Get him out of here. He goes to Dallas. They start utilizing their really good running backs and are winning football games because of the buy-in from the players on top of everything else. They believe in Mike. They believe in the team. They believe that despite the fact that the chips are down, nobody can count us out. We go out and get a a Shanahan guy. This is is a concept that, that is predicated on we build off of the run game. And I just spent, and this is really, really what ticks me off, I spent last week explaining to you that statistically speaking, Aaron Jones is better than Saquon and is arguably the best running back in football. Think about that for a second. Some of, the, some of the times we've seen over the years, these elite running backs, the number one guys, whether it be, again, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Christian McCaffrey, going back year after year after year. These guys that are just at the top of the top. We never had those guys. Best running backs in football i told you that first of all we had our own coaches go up to the podium and say statistically saquon barkley is the best running back in football you freaking douchebag the best running back in football is on your team he's your guy and you're going to give praises to i understand the question was about saquon but how dare you go up there and say statistically he's the best running back in football bs but because he has cumulative yards your own running back. We don't ever hear anybody talk about on our own team how good the guy is, other than general, you know, stuff like, you know, same thing you would say about anybody else on this team. If you ask questions about Lazard, they'd, they'd heap the same amount of praise on Lazard as they would about Aaron Jones. What does everybody else do with elite running backs? Saquon Barkley gets the ball 30 freaking times in a game and he's leading the, the, the league. Uh, Nick Chubb. Everybody knows about Nick Chubb. Why? Because he's a very good runner. They give him the ball constantly. They never stop giving him the ball. And he has a billion yards. But here's the thing. Again, Mike McCarthy goes to a new team and suddenly doesn't have any issue running the football. It's weird, isn't it? We bring in a guy that wants to run the ball. That's what they do. And yet we're so quick to abandon the run. All they have to do is show an extra guy in the box... And we'll just abandon it. We'll just say, we well, we won't do it anymore because that's what the numbers say. We won't do it. We'll throw. Do you really think Kyle Shanahan would do that? Do you think the Browns do that with Chubb? Do you think the Giants do that with Saquon? There's an extra guy in the box. We're just not going to run anymore. I guess we're throwing the rest of the day. Do you think that's what the Titans do with Derrick Henry? Well, there's there's one extra guy in the box. I guess that's it for us today. Derrick, go ahead and take take the day off, bud. Sit on the bench. We'll bring in that third down guy to block, and uh, we'll just, we're will just we launching it out today. We're throwing it. They got us. They, <laughs> that's the trick. Do you think the Bears would do that with Montgomery? Which is interesting because their offensive coordinator came from Green Bay. You think they would do the exact same thing. They would just abandon the run. They'll run it on third and 10. They don't care. Well, they don't have Aaron Rodgers. That's an interesting point. We'll get there. Nick Chubb sees eight men in the box, the third most in the entire NFL, 30% of the time. I wonder how often they abandon the run. Derrick Henry, Rashad Penny, Alvin Kamara, Cordero Patterson. These guys see it a lot. Damian Pierce in Houston. It's another one of the top running backs in all of football from a yardage standpoint. Jonathan Taylor. It's weird to me why teams don't abandon the run when an eighth guy is in the box. It's also weird to me that the offense looks so similar to Mike McCarthy, even though Mike McCarthy's not here anymore. I I I the the only one of the things that's making me upset aside from everything else I've already said is I spent so long criticizing Mike McCarthy. And although in the back of my head I knew that there was a possibility that a lot of this had to do with Aaron Rodgers, I didn't realize that it was entirely Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy doesn't have an aversion to running the ball or or an inability to do so. That was the biggest criticism I had about him going to Dallas. That's a team that has one of the top running games in football, and you're gonna bring a guy that refuses to run over there, that's not gonna go very well, except for the part where he doesn't have any aversion to running the ball. So why didn't we run? Because teams have figured out a long time ago that we the way to beat Aaron Rodgers is stack the box and dare him to run. We they they learned what the heck was that? Like 2017, 2016, whatever year that was? Denver Broncos, man coverage across the board, press them up, bring coverage, bring pressure. As soon as you stack the box, they abandon the run. They become one-dimensional. We have erased the run game from the Green Bay Packers because Rodgers will not run into a stack box. He'll check out of it every time. Then you play, play press coverage. You jam up these guys to, to break up the, the, the route so that the timing is off, and then you bring pressure. Why does that work? Well, first of all, you're one-dimensional, so you're already screwed. Second of all, Rodgers is all about timing. It's all about timing with his receivers, and if you jam them up and the timing's not there, you're in trouble. Third of all, Rodgers is terrible under pressure. He is. I've already told you, the guy will break down instantly as soon as there's a, a hint of pressure. If he sees extra pressure, even if there's nobody there, he's hearing footsteps. footsteps. He, he doesn't have the ability to stand in the pocket as it's collapsing and de- deliver a pass. He can't do it. He won't do it. He has to try to escape the pocket and roll out, and that doesn't do anything. That's how you beat the Packers, and as long as we had Devontae, we had a chance. Because if you want to go man-to-man against Devontae, you're probably going to get hurt. And he starts throwing up those 50-50 balls like he's trying to do to Lazard right now. And it used to work. And so teams would have to kind of back off. They don't have to back off. We don't have Devontae anymore. So it's very simple how you beat the Green Bay Packers right now. Put an extra guy in the box and we will abandon, abandon the run game. They don't even have to succeed. They don't have to do anything. They can bring in a bunch of scrubs and just throw them in the middle. As long as there's eight guys, it doesn't matter play press man, get physical at the line of scrimmage, which Romeo Dobbs struggles with. Lazard doesn't, but he doesn't have the speed to beat you down the field. And Randall Cobb, you know, 50-50. Sometimes he's going to hurt you. Sometimes you get those big plays, and yeah, it's going to hurt. But more often than not, you're going to get us off the field. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll beat you on a couple plays. We'll get that 20-yard pass to Randall. Occasionally, we'll win that 50-50 ball with Lazard. It's a perfectly thrown ball, and Lazard's big and physical, and he's got great hands and everything, if you can kind of get it in the right spot. and And, you know, he'll be praised to the hilt. But that's it. There, there, there is no plan B. That's it. It doesn't matter what what uh, what Matt Lafleur calls, because as long as there's an extra guy in the box, he's going to check out of the run. And if he sees pressure, he's going to look over at Lazard and say, "Hey, ball's coming." And that's all we're going to see all day. Maybe he'll look at Dobbs and say, "Hey, ball's coming." Look at look at uh, Randall and say, "Hey, ball's coming." And try to try to do one of those play. And we again, we've seen success with those quick hitters. Occasionally, if you get the right the right call against the right coverage, you can kind of get the guy in the right spot. But if I'm a defensive coordinator, I have no problem doing that all day because, yeah, you, you'll you'll gash us on a couple plays. But eventually you lose, and you stall out way more. You're not going to consistently do that all the way down the field. Eventually you're going to stall out, and you're going to do it quickly. Our defense isn't going to have to do much. You're not running the ball, so we're not really getting tired out. You run a couple pass plays, you might get a couple first downs, and then then you're off the field. I don't want to go so far as to say, you know, we'd be better off without Rodgers or any of that kind of stuff because Rodgers is... is He's on another level. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. If Rodgers leaves, this team gets a lot worse. I, I heard Jacob the other day on the podcast say that we'd be better with, or we would have won the game with Love. I wouldn't go that far. I, I think we, we lose differently <laughs> with Love. Probably run the ball a lot, be a lot less successful, and Love probably throws some picks or whatever. I don't know. I think the team is worse without Rodgers. But I don't think this team can get any better as long as Rodgers is here. And I do think there is a version of being better. I think the league has figured out Rodgers, and I don't think Rodgers is willing to change. I think he's too smart for his own good. He's too textbook. The textbook says, in this situation, I check out of the run and we throw. And then he just, he just again, in his mind, they're the superstars, right? Aaron Rodgers can make every throw. You're daring me that I can't make that perfect throw down the sideline. Watch this. And he's going he's to fall for that trap every time because he, he refuses to not believe in himself. Or his guys, and then we have to sit there and watch him shake his head and go, oh, "Come on, man! You gotta come on, uh-huh. man! You know we, we're this isn't 2011 where you're just stacked across the board with receivers, and you know if if you want to abandon the run, who cares? We don't need to run. Cool, Starks. Here's two yards. Yeah, c- congratulations on sucking. All right. Anyways, let's throw the ball. No offense to Starks. I like Starks. but I mean he was he was a three yard guy. But again, we we and and i i i want to cry right now it makes me so sad this might be aaron jones's last year he 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 if he was on another team he would probably be a saquon barkley he would be a derrick henry he would be a jonathan taylor he would be a nick chubb he would be that guy that that would be all over the highlights the greatest running back what a great you know fourth round or what was he fifth round fourth round whatever a true Cinderella story. One of the greatest running backs in in a decade. But unfortunately, it was the Packers that took him. And his his greatness has just been hidden because he gets nine, 10 carries a game. And I bought into it when it was, you know, he, he had injury issues. He's not built to, to run it 20, 30 times a game, even though he's done it in the past with great success. He's not built for that, so we want to keep him fresh. I'm so freaking sick of the keeping everybody fresh thing. David Bakhtiari's on the sideline. Rashawn Gary's on the sideline. Aaron Jones is on the sideline. I, I, you know, and now we're losing games. Gotta keep them fresh for those critical situations. Every situation is a critical situation. I'm sorry, that first and 10 that you didn't think mattered? They just got 40 yards on it. So how about you put your best players on the frickin' football field? You have to wait until a third down to put Rashawn Gary back on the field? And then he doesn't get back on the field until they're in the red zone because, well, we never got him to third down. Good thing Rashawn's fresh, though. Oops, never mind, they got a touchdown. I know they need a breather sometimes, but you guys think you're so freaking smart with all this stuff. You're so smart, and at the end of the day, and again, I, I've been defending it. All year I've been defending it. The, the rotating to keep them fresh, it makes sense. Not playing man coverage, well, that's not what we do. Keeping Aaron Jones fresh, well, you, you know, you want them at the end of the season too. It's not all about the beginning of the season. But at the end of the day, the players, when you look at the Giants and the, and the Lions and the Cowboys and the buy-in and the belief, at some point, the coaches need to turn to the players and say, I'm putting this in your hands. And I'm not just talking about Aaron Rodgers, because right now he runs the whole ship. I'm talking about Aaron Jones. He's the superstar of the team. You know what? We're, we, we believe in you. You're the best thing we have. And Rodgers needs to do it too. You know, you guys can give lip service, LaFleur and, and uh, Rodgers, about how great the running backs are. But when the, when the game's on the line, screw them. They're not the superstars. I'm the superstar. I'm the one that's going to get it done. I'm going to make the play. You know, and, and we had Jair getting upset early on. I understand you're a zone team, but at the same time, the zone thing is breaking down bad. Blown coverage is all over the place. These are scrub wide receivers. Tell your freaking guys, man up, man coverage. See if they can beat you. They can't. Well, that's not the way we play defense. Dude, just, I'm just saying for this, first of all, it, I I have no doubt it would have worked because these are not good wide receivers. Well, they play man, blah, blah, blah. Just put your confidence in your guys. You know what that's going to mean? For Joe Barry to go up and say, you know what? Enough of this BS. Are you ready? I'm putting it on you now. Get on your guy. Don't get off of him. Forget the cutesy nonsense and all this create. Again, Joe Barry's the mastermind. You don't need to be a mastermind. We have elite players across the board. Give them the game. Let them play. Oh, I got, I, I, who, Mike Renner, I think, on Twitter. Here's what Mike Renner had to say. The Packers have given up the second fewest passing yards in the NFL through five weeks. Yet somehow they've allowed the most yards of any defense on crossing routes by far in 2022. You know what that is? That's called bend, don't break. We're giving them five yards so that they don't get 20. You are completely demoralizing your own team. we We hear all about this hesitation from the linebackers that I've been talking about and other people have been talking about. The hesitation, the lack of aggression. Why? Well, we we want to make sure that we're protecting ourselves from ourselves. What is the point of getting all this talent if you're going to tell them to hold back? Just, just hold on. Let's just see. Let let me call the perfect play. Let me just scheme this. Let me, let me do all these things. When are you just going to let these guys go play? When are you just going to cut them loose and say, you know what? You're the baddest on the field. You're the baddest, the meanest, the most violent. And, you know, honestly, you hear Kenny Clark, even with the way that they're talking, when things go wrong, we just say, well, we we, we got to be, it's about our technique and it's about, it's so cerebral. And I understand football is cerebral, but there's more to it than that. The teams that are winning, it's not cerebral. It's about digging deep. It's about fighting and clawing. It's a heart issue. There's no heart. It's just, it's just, it's, there's so much of this, like, let's just let the big boys handle it. And the big boys right now are Joe Barry. You guys just, just shut up and do your job and do your assignments. Do your 111th, right? How many times you hear the Packers talking about that? Do your 111th. You know what that means? I mean, shut up and do your job. Don't worry about everything else. Let me worry about everything else. You just do your assignment and everything will be fine. And the offense is nothing more than, than Aaron Rodgers saying, shut up and let me do what I do, including to Matt LaFleur. I don't care. Give me the call I want, and I will decide if I want to do that or if I want to do something else. And the receivers, it's it's you either live up to my expectations or you get off the field. Christian Watson, he ain't ready. Get him out of here. Romeo Dobbs, he would have been sitting on the bench this whole year if it wasn't for the fact that he had to be on the field. It it took too long to discover Aaron Jones. It took too long to discover A.J. Dillon. It takes too long to discover all the talent that we have. We won't put him on the field because it's not about, let me just go get a dog and put him out there and tell him, go fight for it. We're not going to see Devontae Wyatt all year. You know why? Because he doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't matter that he's an athletic freak and that he's a dog. And, you know, let's just put him out there and just tell him, just go attack something. Just go rip something to shreds. Go be disruptive. Go be a force. Go destroy something. He can do it. But the point is, this 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 is this is about Joe Barry saying I need you to know your assignments and your gaps and all this stuff and and again I'm not trying to pretend it doesn't matter it does but but there's there, we've gotten to the point where it's it's become entirely cerebral and and we we've wasted all the the talent you go out and get athletic talent and then you you deny them their athleticism the heck is the point of getting Quay Walker this guy supposedly has speed to get to the sideline but we got him hesitating so what the hell is the point this defense man. You know that when they're doing good, it's they're feeding off their own energy. It's it's just flying after a guy and blowing him up in the backfield, and then you see him get up and they're jumping and they're high fiving and all that stuff. Let them go out and feast. Let them go play. They need that. Give them opportunities to make those plays. I, I've said it now like three times. That Rashawn Gary sack that got taken away by a penalty was an absolute killer in this game because the defense needed that. They needed something to feast on. They need picks. They need sacks. They need big hits. They need all that stuff. So tell them to go out and be aggressive and violent and fast. You got them thinking too damn much. Again, even in the press conferences, what, what are they? Well, you know, we're not doing our assignments and our 111th. and It's about our technique and our fundamentals. I don't think it is. I think, I think they feel like they're just pieces in, in a machine, and they're not being treated like superstars like they are. Jair Alexander is a superstar. He is. And if he was on another team, he'd be treated like a superstar. There'd be games where they're down, and, and the defensive coordinator will come over to him and say, you're my guy. Go fix this. You know, the, that classic play in the Super Bowl. It is time. It's time. He's talking to Clay and saying, you're my guy. You're it. You're the superstar. I need you. I need you to make a play. And he went out, and he freaking made a play, didn't he? Who's going up to Kenny and saying, hey, listen, I need you, and I trust you. Rashawn, I I don't care if you isolate everybody else. Rashawn, Preston, Kenny, come over here. Listen to me. I need a play. This is the best collection of talent on the defensive front in the entire NFL. Nobody, nobody can touch what you guys do. And damn it, I need a play right now. Can you do that for me? Can you give me that one time? Then you go walk over to Jair and Stokes and Razul and you go to your DBs and you say, listen to me, see those guys over there? They're going to make a play. I'm going to tell you to man up your guy. I need you to do your job. I know you can. I need three seconds. Give me three seconds and this game is over. Those guys over there are going to make a play. This is your opportunity. Erase them from this football field. You think they wouldn't do that for you? Put your trust in them. None None of this... Textbook nonsense. Well, if you just do your job and your assignment, do what I tell you to do. Shut your mouth and do what you're told. I mean, they're, they're, they're robots in a, in a video game. They're just being controlled. They don't have a real role. They don't have a real purpose. They just do their assignment. Go stand in this gap. You go stand in that gap. You go in this zone. You go in that zone. There's a heart issue here. It's the same thing I said about, you know, running the ball doesn't matter, so let them run. Yeah, but it crushes the soul of a defense. That stuff matters. And, and you're going to lose the locker room. You're going to lose the locker room if you don't start getting some buy-in. And again, this is where it comes back to, to Matt LaFleur because he's missing this. You're, you're too cerebral. You come in, you're everybody's buddy, and that works just fine as long as things are fine. But you're going to have a hard time winning the locker room back when they don't believe in you anymore. And I don't know if they ever did. You, you got to get the guys together, and there needs to be a, a change this is not just Aaron Rodgers runs the offense, Joe Barry does the defense, and you guys, everybody else, just shut your mouth and do your assignment because you're going to lose everybody real fast. You know why teams like the Giants are putting 110% on the field and our guys are putting 50% on the field? Because they don't believe. They're not buying it. They don't care. They're, they're, they don't have a purpose. They don't have a destiny. I've been watching loss too much, but the point is at some point, you got to turn to your guys and say, I need you to make a play. And and offensively, that's that's the running backs. I'm sorry, Rodgers, but those are the superstars right now. Now, and that's not a, it's not to say that Rodgers isn't still a good quarterback. He is. The stats are fine, although they probably plummeted two weeks in a row. Now it's been kind of shaky. But but that's that's not the point I'm making. Is that Rodgers is is not a good quarterback. The receivers are not good enough. The tight ends are not good enough. This is a running team, and when it used to be Rodgers to Devontae in a clutch situation. If you have the opportunity to lean on your running game, you need to do it. And Matt LaFleur needs to be creative enough to find ways to make it work regardless of what the defense is doing. And that doesn't mean abandoning the pass, obviously. But you will run the ball, and you will do it successfully. And if your passing game is ever going to work, it's going to be because you're doing that. I mean, how are teams beating us? We stack the box. They run successively against our stack box. And then they run play action, and we're completely lost because we're biting on it. We have the best running back in the freaking NFL. We could be killing people with that right now. Do you know how deadly that would be? We have the best running back in football and arguably one of the best quarterbacks in football. It doesn't matter who your wide receivers are. It doesn't even matter who your quarterback is. Maybe Jacob has a point. Maybe Jordan Love could have done a better job. If we could run the ball and do it successfully, you think Jordan Love couldn't run a boot play-action pass to a wide-open receiver just like we watched Bailey Zappi do to us and Daniel Jones do to us? Of course he could. Everybody can. I could have. So that's where I'm at right now. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't know what to do about that. Um, again, if, if the team gets it all turned around, oh, you look at that overreaction for nothing, whatever. It is what it is. What, whether or not things turn around is fine. The point is there are underlying issues here. And if, if doing the wrong thing works, it doesn't matter. Winning makes everything okay. But these are the issues that I see. And we're not going to get 100% out of our team until we start doing this. And hey, if we can win with 75%, great, congratulations. Probably can't do it in the playoffs and we'll get knocked out of the playoffs again. But hey, at least we can turn it around and at least we can, we can come over here and say, hey, Pac, Daddy was an idiot. He overreacted and we can do all those things. That's fine. That sounds like a good old time. But it doesn't change the fact that Aaron Jones' career has been wasted. And that is a shame. We've been, we've been wanting a really good running back for a long time and we have him and we won't use him. Because Aaron Rodgers says so. Because all they got to do is drop a guy into the box and we're like, all right, I guess we're passing. Three straight pass play, plays, three and out. Because they're daring Rodgers to make that that impossible throw down the sideline that he knows he can make. All right. Well, here we go. I guess we're punting and we're putting our defense back on the field again. Again, I know everybody wants Joe Barry fired and the defense was the problem. Um, I get it. They did, a, they did a bad job and there were a lot of problems, but... I think as a defense, the offense can demoralize you as well because how many times do you have to get asked to go back out there and make a play before you finally start to say, dude, I I don't have anything left, man, before you start making mistakes, before... Because you know eventually it's going to break down. Oh, dang, Matt Rule got fired. I mean, I knew he was going to get fired. I didn't know it would be this quickly. Here's going to be the interesting thing, though. Um, You saw the Wisconsin Badgers, right? They fired their coach. Things Things were just going terribly. And it's actually a very... Very similar situation because you know the talent that they have on that team. I'm not saying they're Alabama necessarily or Georgia or whatever the, the top team is this year. But you know they have way more talent than what they were putting on the field. And although they, they gave the the lip service about they love their coach, and they do, just like the Packers loved Mike McCarthy and said he's not the problem. Just like the Packers love Matt LaFleur, and if he were to get let go, it would be the same thing. It would be we love Matt LaFleur and it's wrong. Uh, to, to like, the The bottom line is, though, the new guy comes in and they dominate. There is a new energy. There is a new belief. There is a new feeling of, of renewal. Watch the Carolina Panthers. And I, I don't know that, look, look what happened to the Raiders, our special teams coordinator. They were talking about possibly making him a head coach because look at how much fight they had when the new guy came in and just said, we, it, it's, it's because the chips are down it's because they don't believe that they're these superstars that can just kind of coast. Now it's, now we're in trouble. And all you got is this guy saying, listen, I, I, we're in a tough spot here, but I, need you, I just need you to believe that we can get it done. I need you to believe that we can make this work. And they buy in, and as long as they buy in, it, granted, if they bring in a, a new interim head coach or elevate a new interim head coach, and he doesn't inspire anything, and the Panthers locker room still doesn't care, they're still going to suck. But it is amazing how often just any old person can come up, and I don't mean to disparage the you know the interim coaches that do a great job, but all they really need to do is inspire confidence. It's the same players, right? They're running pretty much the same plays and the same scheme and everything else. It's the same everything. But they inspire hope, which is weird because they should have had more hope the week before before they lost their head coach. But now suddenly there's this feeling of hope there's this feeling of no matter what, even though we're going to lose, it doesn't matter. I'm going to fight to the bitter end. And a lot of times they end up winning because they just had that fight. Badgers, I I didn't even watch that game because I stopped watching. Because it's like, whatever, it's a Badgers. Who cares? The, the, the games are boring no matter what, even if they happen to win. Badgers don't blow teams out, especially competent teams. You know, Teams that I've never heard of, sure. Austin P or something, I don't know. Yeah, you beat them 43-7. to seven. Northwestern. I don't even know. What North- it doesn't matter. They don't blow those teams out. But they did. Everything was working. The offense and the defense. And, and, and again, it's just you can feel the energy. You don't feel the energy with the Packers. It was the, the exact thing I said in 2018 with the Packers and Mike McCarthy. It didn't matter if they were winning, losing, or otherwise. There was no energy. There's no... You know, again, Aaron Rodgers, he's happy. He's, he's very happy. Guys are happy. But is there like a drive geared toward football. Rogers has passion for, you know, life, for relationships, experiences. We used to hear the defense talk passionately about football and about being the best and being dominant. Now we hear about 11th and technique and all this stuff. And when you talk to Jair who was who was the, the ringleader of this, he he was the one getting everybody fired up. Where's Jair? And that again, this comes down to coaching. He's a guy you need leading this defense. He's a guy you need getting them fired up because if he starts going the other direction talking about you know getting mad because his defensive coordinator didn't believe in him to win the game and erase justin jefferson now he's talking about if we lose to the jets next week then i'm going to be worried about this defense rogers is right he's putting negative energy out into the into the locker room or whatever not physical energy but i don't really believe it the way rogers does but it's still a real thing and the, the frustrating thing about Rogers is he's talking about, you know, you need to have this positive, but it, it's not the words that matter. They can keep their mouth shut, but it doesn't change anything. It's, it's not a physical manifestation of words. He's, he's putting the, ch- the cart before the horse. He thinks if you say positive things, positive things will happen. And if you say negative things, negative things will happen. No, if you're creating an environment that fosters negative words, that's what's negative. It's the environment prior to the words that's causing the problem. The issue is already there before the words come out. So if Jair just chooses to be positive and say nice words, it's not going to change anything unless he can do it forcefully and powerfully enough that he and the rest of the defense starts to actually buy into it. But again, it's not the words. It's whether or not you're actually physically bringing it out of yourself. And part of the reason that the negative things are coming out is because of Rodgers. You know, and it's not it's not that he's a bad teammate or anything, but again, it's He's the superstar. He's the one. He, he's, it's, it's just, and again, I'm fine with the idea that we set a high standard here, but it's kind of becoming Rodgers and Lafleur are like we set the standard and you are either on our level or you just shut up and get out of the way. It's not working because, again, you can't have a team where it's we have three superstars and everybody else plays like garbage. And, and why is that? Why is it we have superstars and nobody else contributes and all these other teams, they have these scrubs that are just showing up. Because they feel like they're a part of it, they don't feel like they're scrubs and castoffs. They don't feel like they're they're you know even even Romeo Dobbs. Well, he's coming along. You know, he's a, he's a little guy. He's getting there. He's got a lot to work on, but you know, he's he's slowly working his way up to my standard, dude. Shut up. We can't be doing that. Dobbs is a star, and he's going to show everybody this wide receiver room is stacked with talent, and we're about to show everybody. Aaron Jones, I, that that. Ticks me off so much that when asked about Saquon, our own coaches are talking about how Saquon's the best running back in football. You have Aaron Jones on your own freaking football team, dude. He is better than Saquon in almost every single metric available, yards after the catch, yards after contact, uh, you know, yards per carry. Everything. Except cumulatively yards. The only reason Saquon's better than Aaron Jones is because you won't give him the ball. And then you have the audacity to say Saquon is better than Aaron Jones. And we wonder why we always talk about on paper, on paper, on paper, on paper. It's because we're not, we don't understand the human element of this game. Aaron Rodgers is, is very cerebral, and we know that, and, and he, he demands everyone be as cerebral as he is. It's all about checks and, and changes, and, and you got to understand what you're doing, and this and that and the other thing. And It's, it's all just a question of, can you do what I say? If you want to play for the Packers, it's all a matter of, can you do what Rodgers says? I'm going to do things in a really complex matter, and I demand you be on that level. and And they brought in a cerebral coach, and Matt Lafleur. That's what he is. He's he's a he's a game plan wizard. Which again is part of that's the reason why in the first half we blow teams out twenty to three. But but hilariously, you have the worst second half team in football, one of the worst, the Packers going up against one of the best second half teams in football, the Giants. What is the second half? The second half is when you no longer have that game plan because things have changed. So all that cerebral stuff is gone. What you have now is fight, because everybody's tired, everybody's exhausted. The game plan is out the window. We're ad libbing right now. We're bleeding. We're hurt. Guys are getting carted off the field. We're, we're we we we. There's there's nothing left but grit and determination. Who can dig deep? The Giants are one of the best teams in football. The Packers are the one of the worst. It's not going to get it done. It's not. Anyways, I don't want to talk in circles anymore. I think I've made my point. And, and again, I understand this is an overreaction to a loss, but it's also reality. And um, I don't, I don't see a path for things to get better, because I don't see any of this changing. I don't. I don't think there's a situation where somebody sits down with Rodgers and says, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to check out anymore. I'm going to call the play and that's it. That's not going to happen. Rodgers isn't going to put up with that, and Rodgers isn't going to change. Nobody's going to have a conversation and be like, look, sometimes we got to Stick with what doesn't make sense, intellectually. And we just got to trust our superstars, and, and actually that's maybe not you, it's Aaron Jones. Maybe. That's not, that, that, that conversation's never going to take place. We're going to have to go back and review the film. And what are they going to see? Well, they, they gave us the look, we made the right call, we just got to execute. So next time we're going to do the exact same thing, but we just need to play better. No, it's, it's the wrong diagnosis. It's the wrong diagnosis. But it's not going to change, so... Um, The only thing that's going to happen, because we are going to keep doing this, it's going to be Joe Barry and Aaron Rodgers with a little bit of Matt LaFleur. They're everything. And everybody else needs to shut up and do their job. And and to the degree that everybody can shut up and do their job better, we will succeed. But the underlying problem is always going to be there. And, you know, maybe if Rodgers doesn't come back next year and we, we have a new quarterback, then that can start to change a little bit. And it can start to be more of a... You know, we, we need guys to dig deep and, and believe, and, and you start to see a little bit more of that. But for right now, this is what it is. And we have no choice but to say I, we need guys to just execute better, because there will not be change. There's no reason to believe Aaron Jones is going to get more carries, unless they just you know we play a team that just doesn't stack the box, and then we, we just do what makes sense, which is run the ball, because Rodgers, again, is Mr. Textbook. But this is it. This is the Packers team, and, and hopefully they can start to execute better. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase. PFF grades, who's ready? Um again, I I have to go back and, and look at this. I know a lot of people were really mad at uh Elton Jenkins. He was the highest graded offensive player on the team. <laughs> Which is listen, it's great news. It really is. We we should be happy about it. Now, if you don't agree with it, that's fine. Um can have that opinion but if we're talking about execution and, and just guys just being better that's one of the key pieces you know we need those those top tackles we need them actually playing you know david bakhtiari didn't play but if we can get a, a healthy david bakhtiari playing at a high level elton jenkins at right tackle playing at a high level we'll be all right John Runyon, again, graded out really high. This time is a really high run blocking grade. He was actually third. Randall Cobb was second. I skipped him, but those are the three highest. 85 overall grade for Elton Jenkins. We'll get into the specifics in a minute, but 83.7 for Randall, 82.7 for John Runyon. Then we had two guys who graded out as good, Josiah DeGuara and Aaron Jones, who, you know, well, we don't need to further discuss that. Um, and really not any bad players. We had three barely below average. David Bakhtiari, who, again, played in a limited fashion, and he actually had an 80 pass-blocking grade, 58 run-blocking grade. The fact that they gave him a 59 overall grade, again, I think is stupid. He actually pass-blocked more than he run-blocked, so I don't know. I, I, PFF is starting to tick me off. I'd ask him, but they never answer my questions. But anyways, he had a good day. He, had a, he was great at pass-blocking, average run-blocker. His overall grade is, is irrelevant. And then uh, the only other two are Amari Rodgers, who played one snap, and Christian Watson had the lowest grade on the team. So um, there's a 55 receiving grade. He actually had a 78 run blocking grade. I'm telling you, he is a phenomenal blocker. Whatever is lacking in the receiving department, I don't know because he wasn't asked to hardly do anything, but, you know, again, I'll go back and watch it. But uh, he's doing a great job blocking. Everybody else was average. Uh, Myers, Rodgers, Dylan, Dobbs, Lazard, Tunyon, Davis, Newman... Mercedes and Yash all in the 60s, between 60 and uh, about 69-ish. So again, silver lining. If, 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 if this is just what it is and we just need these guys to be the superstars that they are and, and just execute and just be better than everybody, this is, this is relatively positive. I mean, obviously you'd like Aaron Rodgers to be better than average and some of these other guys to be better than average, no question about it, but whatever. It's progress, and Elton Jenkins is, if, if nothing else, this entire week is a win because, hey, Elton Jenkins is back on track, right? I'll I'll 100% take that. I can't guarantee that it's going to be like that forever, but I will take that. Um, let's go piece by piece here. Look at some passing stuff here. Again, Rodgers was average. It was probably, you know, somebody made the comment, I think it was Kyle Brandt, that he's gotten worse every week. That's not actually accurate. Um, his worst game, obviously, was week one and then it was an 83, 70, 74, and this week is 60. Still not necessarily superstar numbers. Week two was his only really good week um, as far as as that goes. Um, But just one big-time throw, zero turnover where he plays, which is nice that he didn't have that. He had the two touchdowns, obviously, but um, just 5.7 yards per attempt. We're, We're not able to kind of stress the defense down the field, which, again, is troubling because the Giants were begging us to do that, and we just couldn't do it. Time to throw 2.36 seconds, which again, I think is a combination of the offensive line kind of scaring Rodgers. They didn't actually get beat a lot, but I think Rodgers panics and gets rid of the ball. So it's kind of misleading in a way where it's like, well, there were very few pressures. Well, I think guys were getting beat a lot, but Rodgers is just like, get rid of the ball right away too quickly before it could materialize. If he held the ball for 2.5 seconds, there's probably an additional sack and about, you know, five, six more pressures. But also, Roger should probably just man up and stand in the pocket and throw the ball. I don't know, I'm just saying. And actually, this is this is kind of interesting because I think it illustrates my point, and I was wondering about this before I even saw it. His grades when kept clean and under pressure are very similar. 58 while kept clean, 62 under pressure. Usually it's not, usually he's way better when he's clean and terrible under pressure, but they also break it down in terms of blitzed and not blitzed. He had a 67 overall grade when he wasn't blitzed, a 51 overall grade when he was blitzed. That's kind of weird, isn't it? The point is, whether he was clean or under pressure didn't really matter. The question about his play more, more so came down to when they actually showed pressure compared, compared to when they didn't. Why? Because when they brought pressure, Rodgers panicked. When he was actually under pressure, it didn't really affect his play all that much. But when he saw pressure compared to when they didn't bring pressure, he was much more confident, much more calm. All was, all was well. But if he sees the blitz, man, it's, it's panic time and things don't go very well at all. Completion percentage when not blitzed, 72.7%, when blitzed, 52.9%. Yards, 152 to compare to 70, 6.9 yards compared to 4.1 yards per attempt. Looking at the receivers, specifically receiving grades, not just overall grades, Josiah DeGuara, 88 overall grade, Randall Cobb, 82.2, Aaron Jones with a 70.3, Tunyon, 68.5, Mercedes Lewis, 64.7, I'm sure the touchdown helped. Alan Lazard, the guy that we just refused to not take our eyes off of, actually had a bad day, which is one of the problems here, right? When you refuse to take your eyes off a guy, you refuse to acknowledge the fact that other guys are having good days, which happens all the time. Josiah Aguara and Randall Cobb were having great days. But he's in panic mode, and Lazard is my guy, and so that's the direction we have to go. Tyler Davis, 58.8. Romeo Dobbs, 55.9. Christian Watson, 55.4. Uh, receiving grades. Uh, They tried to put Lazard in the slot a lot. I'm guessing that's because they wanted to try to scheme him open or something. Um, But obviously, it didn't work all that well. He was the second most amount of snaps in the slot. Christian Watson was third at 33%. Again, kind of sticking with that whole thing. Which is another thing I don't super care for. I don't really understand it other than to say they probably do that because they just want to use him in motion constantly rather than let's put him on the outside and have him stress the defense. But whatever. I'm trying to be done complaining. Uh, yards per route run, Josiah Aguara nine point five yards per route run. Why? Because he caught he had two targets, two receptions, and nineteen yards on two routes. <laughs> he was in for five passing plays. Three of them must have been blocking. Two of them he went out receiving, and he caught both of those passes. We didn't have him run another route. This is what I'm talking about. He ran two routes, caught both passes for ten yards per per reception, and we we basically didn't put him on the field the rest of the day. And when we did, he was in as a blocker. This is, you know... Again, other teams adapt and we don't. The game plan wasn't for Josiah. So the fact that Josiah's having a good day is irrelevant. That's not the game plan we drew up. He, he's only getting, you know, a handful of snaps in this game, and that's it. Mercedes Lewis is the guy, and, and Tunyon's the guy. Tunyon wasn't having a good day. He hasn't really had a good day all year. He didn't have a bad day, but again, it's, at at what point are you going to look at a guy and say... You know, you doing all right? Yeah, man, feeling great. You're looking great out there. You you, you want to do a couple extra snaps? You going to reward me for that if I put you out there? Because this wasn't the plan. But if you're going to keep making plays, I'll keep putting you out there. Dude, His his life is on the line here. The guy is about to get cast into the bin of the NFL of, of guys that just bust out and don't do anything. You're going to give him an opportunity to make plays. And you talk to Aaron Rodgers and say, listen, we're riding the hot hand with DeGuara. He's, he's getting open. It's working. Let's keep running it. Keep an eye on him. If he's open, you feed him the ball, and we're going to keep feeding him. Give Josiah DeGuara an opportunity. The guy needs opportunities. He's having a good day. Keep doing it. Nope. Five pl- pass plays, two routes, two catches, 19 yards, then he's done for the day. And those two catches came early in the game. It was like back-to-back throws. On like the first or second series, and they're like, oh, screw that guy. Get him off the field. He's making my guy Tunyon look bad. Get him out of here. Screw that guy. He's stupid. <laughs> what are we doing? Randall Cobb, 3.41 yards per out run. Tunyon, 1.05. Lazard and everybody else is under. Tyler Davis, negative one. So that sucks a little bit. He had one target, one reception for negative three yards. So... Probably a good idea to not write, they li- at least we didn't force feed that guy, he's having a bad day. I'm not trying to try, I'm just, you guys have bad days too, you, at least we're not force feeding, although we did do that with Lazard, who was having a bad day, but I'll give. I'll try to give him credit where it's due, I guess. No, well, why do they say no drops? There was two clear drops. PFF and SAS both are like, have weird definitions of drops apparently. Maybe if it's a bad throw by the quarterback, they don't call it, because I know at least one of them was a pretty tough throw. Maybe both of them were. I don't know. So they're putting it on Rodgers, probably. But, mm, I don't know. Only one missed tackle forced in this entire game. That was Randall Cobb. Um, that's that's about it. Then we come to running the ball. Let's take a look at some stats, shall we? Aaron Jones, who leads the league in yards per attempt, had 4.8 yards per attempt. A.J. Dillon, you want to talk about riding the hot hand? A.J. Dillon's been off to a pretty slow start this year. He had 5.7 yards per attempt in this game. Six attempts. I'm I'm going to Oh my goodness, I'm I'm shaking right now. I'm going to throw my mug across the room. I have, I'm have i having issues right now. It's so hard to just get words out right now. 4.8 yards per attempt and 5.7 yards per attempt. The guy with 4.8 got 13 attempts. The guy with 5.7 got six attempts. And you, do you know why? Do you know why that happened? A.J. Dillon's been struggling. And so they didn't give him the ball as much. They put it in Aaron Jones' hands because he's really been breaking out and A.J. Dillon hasn't. And they don't make adjustments. This was the plan we came up with all week. We will not change it, period, period. At no point did they say A.J. Dillon's having a great game. Let's ride the hot Hand, And I'm not talking about getting away from Aaron Jones at all. Keep handing it to him too. But if there was ever a game where it's a 50-50 split like we've been doing all year, despite the fact that Jones has been significantly better than Dylan all year, this is the one. Six opportunities for Dylan, 5.7 yards per attempt. And it's not like he had a 50-yard run. His longest was 11, you know? He's basically at six yards per attempt. One 11-yard carry isn't really going to do that. Oh, Oh, it makes me sick to my stomach. And and the thing is, the yards after contact per attempt was not even necessarily that high, 2.17 and 2.38, which means the offensive line was doing a good job blocking. The offensive line's doing a good job. The running backs are doing a good job. I, it, it, I, I'm so sick of even just saying it at this point, because I, 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 they don't care. They don't care. They're not going to listen. Matt is not going to listen. They're not going to change anything. They spend all week working on a plan. And they're not going to deviate from that plan. And it's why we're going to continue to lose in the second half. We're going to win in the first half and lose in the second half because they're going to come up with a great plan. And and sometimes we're going to lose in the first half because you don't always win with the plans. But the second half is going to suck. We've been dropped down to third worst second half team in football in terms of scoring. 29 points in five weeks. That's it. We're the 11th best first half team and the third-worst second-half team in football. I think it's pretty straightforward right now. And it, it sh- it's not even that hard. And I, I, I think it's scary because, you know, the, the plan is very specific and for a reason. We're attacking specific weaknesses that we've identified. We've worked very hard to identify these weaknesses and find them, and, and, and we know we can do it because we're better than them. We have these stars. We believe in Lazard. We believe in Rogers. We believe in Dawes, We believe in these guys, and that's cool that you do. And so we believe that no matter what the plan is, we should be able to execute it. But at some point, you have to be able to acknowledge that no matter what our plan was, something else that we didn't necessarily see happening is working. We didn't think the run game would be going all this well. We certainly didn't think A.J. Dillon would be having a good day, but he is. Well, it's was only six carries. It probably wouldn't have maintained it. Well, of course he's not going to maintain a six-yard per carry. I shouldn't say of course. Probably wouldn't have. But so what? The point is, make Them stop you. Josiah Deguara, A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Jones were the best three weapons we had on the offense, and they got no opportunities. Aaron Jones had 13 rushing attempts. Dillon had six. Deguara had two. And he caught two passes on two attempts for 20 yards. And we never saw him again, not because he stopped playing, but because you stopped putting him on the field especially in the second half because the second half when the chips are down and we're starting to get scared is when we pull everybody else off rogers says i only want the guys out there that i trust DeGuara, get off my field watson dobbs well maybe not dobbs as much but watson get the heck off my field i only want guys i trust you know (laughs) yash nyman was a better offensive lineman according to pff than david bakhtiari was but it's trust time and i'm not even necessarily you know i david bakhtiari is better than yash whatever but you know, that, that's the thing, though. Yeah, I know you're struggling out on this field right now, David, but it's its the last couple of plays we need you out here. He false starts. You know, and the, the the jet sweep thing with Christian Watts, it's been great. It really has. It's done a lot of good. And it's it will continue to do good throughout the season. There's no question. But the one time it doesn't work is the one time we decide to do it a second time. <laughs> All right, the Giants. Plus, here's the thing. It's not a great team to be doing that against. They got everybody at the line of scrimmage, and they're playing man, which means they're they're you know up at the line of scrimmage. Granted, if, if you can get them to turn around because it's man coverage, maybe it'll work to your advantage as opposed to zone, but it just seems like a, some pretty tough sledding. If they're playing off or something, maybe, but I don't know. Whatever. It, it doesn't matter. I've made my point on that. And then finally, blocking. We'll get into the specifics here. Yash and David Bakhtiari were almost identical. Actually, Actually, you know what? Yash actually graded out better as a pass blocker. David Bakhtiari was fantastic. In fact, everybody was. Um, just Let me just go through the grades real quick just to kind of illustrate this. John Runyon, 87.4. Yash, 85.9. Elton, 82.6. Aaron Jones, 81.7. Bakhtiari, 80.0. Dylan 77.7. Myers, 74.4. I mean, it wasn't everybody, everybody, but that's a lot of guys like in the 80s. But anyways, both tackles were phenomenal, not necessarily run blocking, but um, great pass blocking, which is all I kind of care about, especially when, you know, again, the running's going fine. John Runyon, again, 87.4 pass blocking grade, but a 76.5 run blocking grade. The one game, again, the one time John's actually really blocking his his you-know-what off in the run game, Ah, that's all right, don't worry about it, we're just going to pass um josh myers they gave a 74.4 pass blocking grade a 54.2 run blocking grade i'm happy with that josh has been kind of struggling in general if he can excel anywhere especially pass blocking i'm i'm more than happy for it. royce uh 70 almost 70 run blocking grade uh pass blocking grade though 57.0 royce's royce's obviously got some issues i'm kind of in the same boat where it's like if you can do like one thing awesome that's i'll take it um so i guess i'll take that and then again elton jenkins dominant at both this is the elton jenkins we've that we saw prior to his injury right when he was at tackle and he was dominant not just overall but he's one of those guys that's not only can he play every position but he's a really good pass and run blocker i mean it was was really remarkable and and really rare so for elton to have an 85 uh, run blocking grade and an 82.6 pass blocking grade that's the elton we need so listen that's a, a major factor in us being successful moving forward is the offensive line. I think this is a major step. Elton alone is huge. Josh being really good at pass blocking. Runyon being good in run blocking and pass blocking, you know, um, obviously is is massive. And then, um, you know, the, what, the biggest setback is Bakhtiari not playing very much. But overall, you got to feel pretty good about it. Defense, um, basically you got a bunch of guys... Well, you got a bunch of guys that played like one snap, which is really weird. This, I've never seen this before. Josiah? What 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 would this have been for? Josiah played a snap, Rudy Ford played one, Tyler Davis one, Dallin Levitt, Keyshawn Nixon, Amari Rogers, Tariq Carpenter. Is, is this a mistake? Because these are like special teams guys. I I don't know. I don't know. We'll ignore we'll ignore all the guys in the middle. But it's it's just it's a tale of of. Two halves of a defense. Half the team was dominant. Half the team was trash, with a few exceptions of guys that were average. Kingsley and 70.7 overall grade. Rashawn Gary, 71.2. Jaron Reed, 72.8. Kenny Clark, 77.9. Devondre Campbell, 80.9. Preston Smith, 84.6. Then on the other side, Dean Lowry, 46.8. Eric Stokes, 43.6. Quay Walker, 35.4. Two weeks in a row for him. Razul Douglas 33.2 and Darnell Savage at the bottom with a 30.7 overall grade. This is this is kind of the issue that I'm talking about where it it's not good enough to just have some guys be real good. If other guys are not doing their job, they're 111th as they like to say. It doesn't matter. If some guys aren't showing up, if some guys just you know whatever. I know somebody on um somebody called Packernet after dark 2 nights ago I guess it would be made a comment that they remember Razul saying that they don't like going to certain places because there's not much of a nightlife. That's not the comment you want to hear. And so the question essentially was, you know, do you think maybe some guys took advantage of the nightlife and enjoyed it a little bit too much? And, and especially looking at Razul saying, you know, it would be interesting to watch Razul and track his, his grades at home compared to traveling, especially traveling to places like London, um, Los Angeles, places that have a nightlife kind of thing. Could absolutely be a coincidence. I don't know, but I'm just saying. Getting into the specifics of the grades, run defense, there were just two guys that did their job, and unfortunately one of them is a corner by the name of Jair Alexander. The other was Preston Smith. Um, Not a lot of terrible grades, I guess. Um, The three worst, Dean Lowry with a 52, Eric Stokes with a 50, and then Quay Walker, 28.2. I mean, it's becoming a serious problem. Um, And I do think it's fixable because, again, he just seems lost. He seems confused. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's hesitating. And I think if we just allowed him to be fast and aggressive and, you know, part of the problem could be we just thrust him into this too fast and he's, he's still thinking, which is a problem, but he has the ability and it's not being unleashed. And that's, that's unfortunate, especially on a, on a team and a scheme in which he was supposed to be doing great because he doesn't have to think and do all that much. You got a great defensive line that's helping you. You got Quay Walker picking up 50% of your job helping to tell you where to be and what to do and what to think and where to go. You got the DBs around you. I mean, you're supposed to be in a great environment, and it's it's becoming, the last two weeks especially, a very serious problem. Tackling, again, was an issue. I mean, most of the team did fine, but you got Jair with a 50.5, Savage 41.4, Lowry 40.8, Josiah, oh, Josiah Razul uh, Razul, and I don't know the Josiah thing, but... Razul, 27. TJ Slayton, 24. I'm guessing they made a mistake and put some special teams accidentally as defense. One of the plays on special teams, I bet, however their software works, they marked it as defense instead of special teams. That's my guess as to what's going on here. Uh, pass rush. we'll get Again, we'll get into the stats in a minute, but as far as the grades, Preston, Kenny, and Jaron Reed, the only guys that graded out well. Um, the only one that was bad was Dean. Seems like he was just bad across the board. Uh, Kingsley was low fifties, TJ Slayton, 54, Quay, 56, et cetera, et cetera. Rashawn Gary rate right at about 60 ish, 58, eight. And then coverage grades, Devondre Campbell, 80.2 Kingsley, only two snaps. Well, Kingsley and Rashawn are the only two that graded out well, and they had three snaps combined. So basically it's Devondre and nobody. Amos 67, Preston 62, Jair 59, Quay 57, which seems shocking. Uh, Stokes forty three, Razul thirty seven, Darnell Savage thirty. I mean, it's you know, again, elite secondary where your elite corner was average and your decent corners are garbage. That's never going to be good enough. Uh, the DBs just they they had a rough day, um, just in general. And and I don't know, you know, I, I well, I I won't go down that path. But if if there is an issue as far as Focus and discipline, again, it falls on the coach, and he needs to figure out how to how to make that a thing because it needs to be a priority. Um, if you guys want to come out here in the offseason, that's fine. We're here to work. And if you're not about that, then, then you don't need to be here. Pressures, there were 16 total. Amos had one, which was just a hit. Lowry had one hurry. Slayton had one hurry. Kenny Clark had three hurries. Jaron Reed had a sack and two hurries. Rashawn Gary had a hit and two hurries and a freaking sack that got taken back because our DBs were garbage. And then Preston Smith had one sack and three hits for a grand total of four pressures. I'm so mad for Rashawn. He had a streak of a sack in every single freaking game. He had one in this game too, and it was erased because Razul Douglas just got absolutely cooked and decided to grab him by his neck. Uh, As far as coverage is concerned, Stokes, five targets, five receptions, 70 yards, Campbell, five targets, four receptions, 11 yards. Jair four targets, four receptions, 44 yards. Quay, three targets, two receptions, 41 yards, uh, or excuse me, 46 yards. What does it say his longest was? Longest was, yeah, longest was 41. I was going to say, if they're not giving him blame for that play, then they're wrong, but that was on him. So basically, one of the three targets... One of them was short, and then one was that 41-yard pass to the running back, which is sickening. Savage, three targets, two receptions, 28 yards. Uh, Razul Douglas, two targets, two receptions, seven yards. Adrian Amos, two targets, one reception, seven yards. Kingsley, one target, one reception, four yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, and zero pass breakups. Zero. That sucks. Special teams, um... We got several guys with good grades, which again, I'm just surprised to see. We, in the past, we would have entire games with like one guy would be at 68 and that would be our highest graded. Josiah Deguara, 69.3. He was just, I mean, again, he he just showed up to play. He was fired up for whatever reason, special teams, offense, fired up, but you know, it is what it is. 69.3 overall grade. Razul Douglas, 71.3 overall grade, including a tackle. Rudy Ford, 76.8 overall grade including one assist. And then Tipa uh, Tipa Nalai, 84.4 special teams grade, which is really rare to see anybody in the 80s or higher, but he had one tackle in this game. Um, And no really bad grades. The lowest was Patrick Taylor with a 55 overall grade. Uh, We did have one missed tackle that was by Shamar Jean Charles, but he actually graded out quite high, 67 overall grade. So special teams showed up, man, and I think we saw it. I don't think I remember anything being super horrible as far as, you know, kick coverage, punt blocking. I'm not talking kicks and returns. We're not there yet. Um, Speaking directly about kick returns, Christian Watson, 58 overall grade, sounds about right on his kick returns. He didn't really do anything aside from running forward. Amari Rogers, though, um, 59 kick return grade. He only did that once for 18 yards after Christian got hurt. Punt return, not surprisingly, 38 overall grade. One return, 11 yards. Um, buddy, you know, put it, on, put it on the ground. Field goal kicking, Mason Crosby, 70.3 overall grade, which is rare to get a good grade as a kicker. Made both his extra points, made both his field goals, and both of them are in the 40-yard range, so that's awesome. He's, he's doing great. Um, I think the addition of Pat O'Donnell has been amazing for more reasons than one. The, him being a holder and, and giving trust is I think important for Mason. And then uh Pat had um three punts, 124 total yards, 41.3 yards per attempt, 41.3 net. Um 50 yards was his longest, which is not super long, but you know, again, the average. But there's there's no punting stat that's that's good, but one of the three was inside the 20, very very good punt. I think they got him down at like the 10. Kicked one out of bounds. Uh, two of them were just down. 3.54 average hang time. The hang time isn't really there. Statistically speaking, you know, 41.3 average, 3.54 hang time isn't there. But I, I think he's doing a good job of just giving us good field position. That's what's important, and then just not shanking the ball. You know, not making minimizing mistakes and and maximizing field position is really the only two goals that matter as far as these phases of the game. And I think Pat in our special teams units is just doing a fantastic job of that. The returners are are mediocre at best, but whatever. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Sorry if I continue to bring you down. But again, I just, I couldn't get off of that just sort of being where I was at. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to say it, I guess. So have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.